Well, good morning, Southview Baptist. How we doing? All right, welcome. So glad that you're here with us this morning. If you're a guest, I'm glad you're here. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here at Southview. I handle the preaching, teaching, leading, and so glad that you're here, a part of us. Before we jump in and worship together, we've got three big announcements I want to throw your way. But first, if you are a guest, welcome again. Uh, it, if you are a guest, we'd love to connect with you. And the easiest way you can do that is to grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to the number on the screen. 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT. We'll send you a link. Click on that. Answer a couple of quick questions and send it back to us just so we can know that you're here and how we can minister to you. But while you're here, and for everyone else, here are a few quick announcements I want to throw your way. Number one... We are beginning our new uh, members class for the year. Uh, we start that next Sunday, January 24th. It'll run for three weeks, the 24th, February 7th, uh, excuse me, the 24th, 31st, and then February 7th. You can sign up for that by texting the word member to our number, 910-424-1298. So text a member that'll get you signed up for that. We already got a slew of folks signed up for it, so make sure you're one of them. Sign up for that so you can find out what it means to be a member here at Southview and how you can be a part of it. Second big announcement, men. February 6th, we're going to have a men's breakfast. Men's breakfast, February 6th. If you want to sign up for that, again, text 910-424-1298. Text the word breakfast to that. It'll get you signed up for that. It's going to be an awesome time for us to come together. Encourage one another in the word. Spend a little time with one another. I had a chance actually yesterday I spoke at a men's breakfast at uh, Berean Baptist, another church here in town. Had an awesome time hanging out with those guys. So I can't wait to hang out with you also. February 6th, text breakfast to sign up for that. And then my third big announcement is this. Uh, I want to give you just a little bit of a heads up as to what we're going to be looking like in 2021. So as we've been thinking through 2020... Uh, the lessons we learned from that, and then thinking through potentially what we have going forward in 2021. We've just been kind of seeking the Lord as to what that means for us as a church. Uh, so I am not a conspiracy theorist, okay? Uh, like you, I flip through social media, I see those things, and I think most of that is just stupid. However, I'm also seeking to be led of the Lord in, in, in discernment. And what I know is this, we just came off of a year where unilaterally churches across the country were shut down for months on end. Uh, we have an incoming administration that, in all honesty, does not have a history of being friendly to Christians. And we have a society that's increasingly hostile to the Christian faith. And so as we look through all those things, we just begin to kind of take a step back and say, all right, what do we need to do here? What, what do we need to do as a church to prepare ourselves to be as strong in ministry as possible moving forward? So one of the things we're going to do in that is beginning uh, in February, we're going to start walking our way as a church through the book of Acts. I'm going to preach through Acts for 2021, at least the, the bulk of 2021. And, and in that, we want to see how does God desire to set up his church for his people. Yeah, I was in prayer asking the Lord, God, okay, what happens if we as a church, like we don't have a building to come to, um, we, we don't have a, a government that's supportive, we have a society that's hostile to us, what are we going to do? And then I remembered, I read a story somewhere about a people who were in the exact same situation and they turned the world upside down. Oh yeah, it's in the Bible. So we're going to walk through the book of Acts together. And then as we're doing that, we're going to be asking the Lord, okay, God, how do you want us to minister? What's the best way for us as a church to prepare ourselves? And so one of two things are going to happen there. Either we're going to be prepared 
for whatever craziness that might come forward, or no crazy things happen, and we're just a more biblically faithful church. Either way, that's a win-win, yes? It's a good thing. So we're going to be looking at a lot of stuff. We're going to be looking, uh, quite honestly, on a practical level, infrastructure-wise. We're going to be looking at what is it, what would it cost us to have um, on-site servers so that if uh, Google or Amazon decides that what we do here is hate speech and they kick us off, we're cool with that. We've got our own stuff anyway. Um, we're looking at what do we need to do organizationally as, a, as, a, as, a, as an organization as far as our structure and how we're set up, how we do ministry. Um, what we realized from 2020 is 95% of the people that come to Southview are primarily ministered to for one hour sitting in this pew, and that's not okay. We need to find a way to be able to minister to you beyond this. We want to find a way for you to engage with your family and friends so that evangelism isn't just inviting them here. What if here isn't available for us for a season? So we're thinking through all of those things. So be in prayer, all right? Be in prayer for us as we're walking through this this year, asking the Lord what all this could look like. And and as we're doing that, I want to read a scripture to you that I think helps us move forward in this. It's, It's found in the book of Matthew, chapter 16. This is Jesus talking. Listen to what Jesus says to his people. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one he was the Christ. So as you read through that, Jesus says an amazing statement when he says, The rock that he's building on isn't Peter per se. It's the confession of Peter. The confession of Peter that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what Jesus says is, yes, yes I am. And on that foundation, my church is going to be built and hell itself cannot stop it. I've told you already, I am super pumped about 2021, not because of what's going to happen politically or economically or socially. I don't know any of those answers. I'm excited for 2021 because God is desiring to do a powerful work in and through his church. And we are going to be a part of that. And Jesus swears by his own authority, hell itself won't stop it. It might look different. We might need to seek the Lord for wisdom and how it needs to change, but it will never end. The kingdom of God will always advance. Jesus is always victorious, and we're on his team. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you today. When we worship, worship with victory in your hearts. Worship with joy on your lips. Because Jesus says nothing comes against his church and will be victorious. Nothing is going to conquer. Not even hell. So uh, let's just bow our heads for a moment. And let's, let's pray stepping into this. Lord Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you allow our normal to be shaken up. Thank you that you allow by your grace... 
things not to go according to our plan, so that we have to trust in you and seek you and go after your way. Thank you, Jesus, that by your grace you may allow us to experience some hardship and difficulties in life so that we don't think that this life is supposed to be our home. Thank you, Jesus, that you have sworn by your authority that nothing, including hell itself, is going to come against and be victorious over your church. Oh, they're going to come against us. They're going to come against your people. They're going to come against your church. Nothing is going to stop you. So I pray, Lord, today as we worship, we worship with that as our, as our, as our, as our driving focus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do this in your people for your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. Good morning, church. Stand with us. Let's sing and let's celebrate these truths. We are part of a kingdom that never ends. Through Christ and Christ alone, we stand, we hope, and we marvel at the work that he is going to do in and through his people. Let's sing. There is the truth all of them the ages. There is a promise things yet to come. There is one born for our salvation. Jesus. There is a light that overwhelms the dark.
psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. My hope today, church, is that we will taste and see that the Lord is good, and we will worship him.
majesty today, Lord. We celebrate your truth in our lives. Come thou bound every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some Sung by flaming sons above, praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither
You may be seated. He is our source of all true, great, right, eternal blessings. He's our source of all good things. You know, as we're spending some time together, we're going to be praying with one another in our corporate prayer times. And the scripture that we're praying, that's, 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 that's a guide for us in our prayers. It's Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So as we, as we see this scripture, this is going to be the guiding scripture for us in our corporate prayer time. One of the things that we're wanting to do this year is spend more time together praying on Sunday mornings. This is what we're going to see happening in the book of Acts a lot. They pray together a lot. And so we gather our together so that we can encourage one another in prayer, lift our voices in prayer, be united in prayer, learn from one another and how to pray. And so we want to keep doing that. And so today specifically what I want to focus our prayers on. Uh, as you were reading through that scripture, Jesus says to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to focus in on that for us for a couple of minutes in, in our prayer time. Specifically in this, I, you, you may not know this or, or not, but today, uh, January 17th, is what's considered Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, it's a Sunday that Christians set aside every year. It's done so uh, this third Sunday in January because it is the Sunday that is closest to the date that uh, the Roe v. Wade decision was passed. And the third Sunday of January is a time set aside for churches all across America to gather together and to pray specifically for the end of abortion. Uh, so if you're new here, we'll just go and kind of let our cards out on the table. Um, we do believe that uh, all abortion, regardless of circumstance or situation, is murder. It is immoral. And we are actively praying and seeking for it to be abolished in our country. Uh, that is, that's our goal. And I understand that uh, there is a lot of controversy that comes with that and I'm completely fine with that and I look forward to answering whatever questions that you might have you're welcome to sit down and we'll talk through anything that you might have but that is our stance that is our position and I want to spend a little time this morning praying specifically towards that end uh, God is the creator of all life Psalm 129 says children children are a gift from the Lord they are a blessing from God we believe all children are that and so our desire is that we would seek to care for them and love them uh, and that uh, by God's grace, we as a nation would not be a part of seeing them killed. Currently, we uh, abort somewhere around a million children a year in our country. That number by God's grace has seemed to be dropping the last couple of years, but it's still remarkably, remarkably high. We're still bumping up against close to to a million every year. 
So I want to take just a minute. Can we just bow our heads? And I want us to pray. And we're going to pray for a couple of things, okay? Uh, first thing we're going to pray for is um, that God, by his grace, would bring an end to abortion. We want to pray that God brings an end to that. However that looks like in our country, whatever the legal process for that is needing to be. That is, I understand, I, I am not Pollyannish. I understand how this works, and I know that that is an uphill battle. I understand that that's a state-by-state -state thing and all that. But we're praying that God brings an end to this. A uh, second thing we want to be praying for is for those either here in our congregation or in our community that may be thinking about having an abortion. We want to pray that God speaks to them and that God might even be speaking to you today and that God would uh, illuminate their minds to desire life and to see that through and allow that child to be saved. And the third thing we're going to pray for this morning is for uh, any ladies specifically, but men who are a part of uh, that as well, um, any ladies who have had an abortion. Um, we want you to know that we love you. We want you to know that you are loved deeply by God. We want you to know that there's grace, forgiveness, and mercy in Christ. And he desires to set you free from all that is in, in, held you in chains since that day. So if we can just bow our heads for a moment, I want to spend a little time praying. And the cool thing is, I can talk about corporate prayer. Not only are we praying together in this room, right now, all through today, there are Christians all over the country praying this thing as well. So that is real corporate prayer. So Lord, we just come to you, and God, this is our hearts. God, we believe that your word tells us that life is precious and that you desire to save all life. And so Lord, we pray, God, for us as a nation today, that you by your power, would do a great work and that this great evil of abortion would be ended. God, we call it what it is. It is wicked. It is an abomination. It is, it is murder. It is the taking of an innocent life. So God, we pray that you, by your grace, would bring that to an end here in our nation. We pray, God, for those either here in this room or maybe in our community or around us who, throughout even the country and the world, who may be considering having an abortion right now because the numbers are so high, I know, there's no doubt, there are people, if not in this room, in our community for sure, who are considering this, even just this week, walking through this. I pray, God, that you would bring that to nothing. I pray, God, that you would allow your truth to illuminate in their hearts. And I pray, God, that you would allow that baby to be spared. And I pray, God, for, for the women, specifically those that may be in this room, that have walked through that. God, I pray that your grace would be upon them. I pray, God, that they would see that you love them, that you, um, Jesus, you died to forgive that. And that is not beyond you. That is not beyond your cross, and that is not beyond your work. I pray, God, that you would bring um, just an assurance in their heart, Jesus, that they can turn to you. You bring forgiveness there and restoration in their hearts. You set them free from whatever guilt or condemnation may be um, uh, just crushing them at this moment. God, you set them free from that, and you allow this to now be a part of the story where they're able to say, Jesus set me free and forgave me of that. 
and he can set you free and forgive you also. God, I pray that you would allow us as a body to be very actively a part of ministering to young ladies who are in vulnerable situations. I pray, God, that you would open up the hearts of our people to be foster parents, to adopt. Uh, I pray, God, that you'll open up opportunities for specifically ladies in our church to work in pregnancy resource centers, uh, to minister to, counsel, care for these ladies. I pray, God, that we won't just say, that's a bad thing and it needs to stop, but we'll put hands and feet to actually seeing it happen and to being a part of that process. I pray, Lord, that we would do this and you would empower that for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, if you got a Bible, let's find John 15 together, okay? John 15. So we're walking through John 15, and we're asking ourselves, how do we bear out fruits in 2021? And today we're going to be looking at John 15, verses 7 and 8, and we're going to be saying, okay, one of the ways that we bear fruit is through God's word and prayer, right? This is primary. This is foundational for us. The Bible and prayer is how believers in Christ bear out fruit. So we're going to take a little bit of time today walking through that, seeing that, and how God does that in us. So John 15, let's pick it up in verse 7 together, all right? John 15, 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. All right, so let's kind of walk through the text super quick, all right? So that first little phrase, if you abide in me, we talked about that last week. To abide means to live, to remain, to dwell somewhere, right? That's why we call your house your abode. It's your home. It's where you live. It's where you go for um, uh, rest and nourishment and safety and security, right? That's where you abide. That's your home. And it says that we are to have our home to abide in Jesus. So you cannot abide in Jesus, trust in Jesus to be your everything, and do that in your own strength also, right? Same way you can't sleep in two beds at the same time. You can't abide in Christ and trust in your own strength at the same time. You must abide just in Him. So He says, abide in me, and He keeps on going, and if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. So let's, let's unpack that just for a minute. So again, the word abide means to live somewhere, to dwell somewhere, to have your home there. And he says that he desires his word, his word, to abide in you. Jesus is not simply telling you to read the Bible. He is not simply telling you to study the Bible and to know content in the Bible. Because he uses the word to abide. The word abide has a relationship aspect to it, right? You're, you're dwelling with it. You're living with it. Some of us have relationships that are more flippant and casual. And, and then we have relationships that are meaningful and lifelong and life-altering. Right? We've all had that. Right? I, in college, I once broke up with a girl so that I could watch a football game. All right, I was going to hang out with my boys, and we were going to watch a game, and she's like, you know, I thought we should hang out tonight. I'm like, you know what, this isn't working out for me. Yeah, I, it's not you, it's, no, actually, it's, it's you, you're, it's, it's, but on the flip side of that, I remember one spring day, I walked into the registrar's office on campus, because I was graduating, and I had to get my transcripts moved to get my master's, uh, and, uh, and 
and I walked into the registrar's office, and, and there was this girl sitting behind the counter, right? And I was like, ooh, she's cute. I want to talk to her. And, but then there was someone else that was like, I can help the next one. I'm like, it's all right, I'll wait. Anybody else want to go? It's all right. And so, right, so I waited, and so I go up, and she's like, hi, my name is Marie. I'm like, nice to meet you, Marie. And I had a five-minute conversation with her. And after that five-minute conversation, I walked out of that office. I looked to someone, and I said, I just met the girl I'm going to marry. He said, well, does she know that? Not yet. Well, she's going to. Right? There are some relationships that are kind of casual and flippant, and then there are some relationships that are life-altering, and you devote yourself to it. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. I just want to be as, as straight up as I can. I only got a few minutes with you, so I got to be honest. All right? The primary reason, and I, and I can say this with all sincerity as of someone who's tried to follow Christ the bulk of my entire life, and as someone who's been a pastor for 20 years, I'm going to tell you, here it is, very simply, the primary reason you in this room are not, if you are not bearing spiritual fruit, the primary reason you are not bearing spiritual fruit is because you treat the Bible as a casual relationship, not a life-altering one. That is the primary reason you treat the Bible like a casual friendship. You hang out when you have time and when you think about it. And it pops up in your mind at a random time. You go, oh, you know who I need to hang out with? The Bible. I need to do that. We're going to get together. We're going to have, hey, remember? You, so you see that person. You're like, you know what we need to do? We need to have lunch. And you're not. So we do that with the Bible. You know what I need to do? I need to be in the Word. I need to do, yeah. We treat the Bible like a casual relationship that we jump in and jump out of when it suits us. Not a life-altering relationship that you totally devote yourself to. The evangelist D.O. Moody said, The more you love the Scriptures, the stronger your faith will be. There is little backsliding when people love the Scriptures. When you love the Bible, when you're devoted to an abiding, staying, remaining, living, dwelling relationship with God's Word, there is very little backsliding that comes with that. And where there is, where there is little fruit or not that much or some backsliding, or, you can always trace it back to this. So the question is, do you love the Scriptures? In your relationship with the Bible, would you define it? You personally, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. We're not going to take a poll. No one's going to ask you to state it publicly. But honest with yourself, would you describe your relationship with God's Word as casual and sporadic? Or would you define it as living, remaining, dwelling, abiding, devoted to, life-altering? This is where I live. I live here. This is the air I breathe. Jesus said that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I am devouring it. There is little backsliding where that kind of love for the Scripture remains. Is that you? So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, what's next? 
ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So connected to this abiding with Jesus and having Jesus' words abiding you is prayer. I love, so if you abide in Christ, you're going to pray to Christ. If you abide in him, you're going to pray with him. Charles Spurgeon said, prayer comes spontaneously from those who abide in Jesus. Prayer is the, is the natural outgushing of a soul in communion with Jesus. It doesn't matter how lazy you are. You could be the least disciplined person on earth. No one has to remind you to breathe. Correct? You don't need, you don't need a breathing plan. You don't need a breathing accountability partner. You don't, you don't need any of that. No one's going to walk by you and go, are you breathing today? It is a natural thing that living people do. If someone is not breathing, we call that a health emergency, right? We would not look at someone who is struggling to breathe and go, oh, they're fine, right? We call 911. That's the problem. Same thing with prayer. A self-professing Christian who does that naturally outflow in prayer to Christ, that is a serious spiritual health emergency. That is a crisis. If there's, one of the main things I want to do today is, is blow up, if I can, this notion that maybe you walked in here with, that you don't really spend a ton of time in the Word, you don't really spend a ton of time in prayer, but you and Jesus are cool. No, you're actually not. That's actually not a true thing. Jesus said to not just casually be connected to his word, but to let it abide in your soul. And as you do that, prayer is going to be the natural outflow of it. As we spend time in the Bible, God speaks to us. And as he speaks to us, we're able to speak back to him. God's word empowers our prayer, fuels our prayer, uh, changes our desires and motives so that we pray pure prayers. He teaches us through his word how to pray and when to pray and what to pray and what to expect when to pray. They are connected. It, 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 it's a connection that, that can't be broken. So if we abide in Christ and Christ's words abide in us, we ask whatever we wish and it is done for. And then in verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The point of fruit bearing is to glorify God. And it says that God is glorified not just by praise and worship, right? Not just by us singing and, and lifting up our hands. God is glorified by you and I bearing out lasting fruit in our spiritual lives by us abiding in Christ his word abiding in us our prayers being fueled by those scriptures and we, if they're fueled by those scriptures we know that God is going to be glorified in answering those prayers and as we're doing that God is glorified and then what happens you bear much fruit and so prove to be a disciple of Jesus fruit bearing we've talked about this fruit bearing is evidence that you actually even know Jesus 
John 8, 31, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. This is connected to you actually even being a Christian. It is paramount. It's huge. If you abide... if if, 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 if I abide in you, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. So, so here's what I want us to, to, to unpack just for a minute. How do we do this? What does it look like? Right? I don't want to just stand up here and go, you guys need to be in the Bible. Because you know that. If I ask someone who's a Christian, you know, how much time do you spend in the Word and prayer? The, the primary answer I get back is usually, not as much as I should. I know. I understand. So let's, let's walk through that together, right? We're a community. We're a body. We do this together. The whole point of gathering together is to stir one another up to love and good works, that, that we stir our, our, our affections and our love for God. And as our, our love for God is stirred up, then we're going to be driven to good works. And one of those good works that's going to bear much fruit is us being kind in the Word and prayer. If you do not spend time in the word and prayer, it is primarily because you do not see God as the greatest, most glorious, beautiful, amazing treasure on earth. If you saw him as that, you would spend time in his word, learning more about him, and in prayer, talking to him. But the great news is this. If we don't spend time in the word and prayer because we don't really see God as the most glorious, amazing, beautiful treasure in the universe... There's a great answer. You know how we begin to see God as the most glorious, beautiful, amazing treasure on earth? Spend time in the Word. Right? Because this is how He has revealed Himself to us. This is how He shows us who He is. This is how He, 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 he imparts to us and illuminates our heart to show us how glorious and amazing and beautiful He is so that we want more of Him and more of Him and more of Him and more of Him. All right, so let's... Let's unpack this together. We're going to go through John 15, 7 and 8. And as we do it, I want us to kind of, again, kind of see the scripture a little bit. But then I want to put some handles on it for you as to how you personally can go home and begin to really walk out a life with God's word abiding in you and you being able to lift up fueled and powered prayers to the Lord that you know he hears and delights in answering. All right, so let's, let's jump in together, all right? So first is this. It all starts with faith in Christ, all right? It all starts with faith in Christ. So again, look at that first phrase. If you abide in me. So it's, it's interesting to notice here. Look at verse 7. Abiding in Christ is mentioned before his word abiding in you. You notice that? If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now they're connected, they're together, but, but this one is, is mentioned first. Abiding in Christ is first. Because it is only in Christ and through Christ that any of this is going to connect to your, to your heart. Any of this is going to connect with your soul. It's why when you, when you get through praying, we say, in Jesus' name, amen. Why do we do that? 
We don't end a prayer in Jesus' name because it's just a way to say goodbye to God, right? Like we're talking, ready to hang up. All right, in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name because we're saying the only way I'm able to commune with God is through the work of Jesus Christ. His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his authority and power is the only thing that allows me to even enter into the presence of God. And so when you're praying in Jesus' name, you're saying, I come in the name, authority, work of Jesus. It is not on me. It is not what I can do. I don't come to God because I'm worthy. I come to, and I don't also come to God slinking in. I come with bold confidence in Christ. And we come to God's word in the same way. When you come to God's word, you come to this, believing you're going to receive from this because Jesus Christ lived, died, buried, rose again so that you can believe by faith in him, his spirit can be placed in you, and then the Holy Spirit can illuminate his word to you and have it leap off the page and change you. Everything is through Jesus. So, there's a couple of things that I would recommend. When I get up in the morning, make yourself a cup of coffee, I have a same spot. My wife has a spot that she, uh, she's got a, 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 a chair up in our room that she sits in and has her time with the Lord. I always sit at the kitchen table. I just do. To be quite honest, if I sat on a couch, I'd fall asleep. Pastoral confection. So I got to sit at the kitchen table, right? I got my Bible. I got my laptop out. And I typically have my iPad. It's kind of my deal. And I don't just immediately jump into the Word usually. I spend a little time stopping and just kind of meditating on the Lord and asking him to speak to my heart. And I ask a couple of things. One, I ask him to rid me of all self-reliance, right? Like I don't want to depend on me. The whole reason I come to the scriptures is because I'm depending on God, right? And so in abiding in Christ, coming to his word, ask yourself, are you really coming just submitting yourself to him? Or do you still think that you got some say in this. As we come to God's word, we just submit ourselves to him. Second, you want to come to Jesus repenting of all known sin. So I'll typically just say something along the lines of, Lord, is there something in my heart that I'm not aware of? Show me. Is there something that God has already shown you in his word to do, but you're not doing it? Right? That's important. If God has told you to do X, and you're not doing that, don't come back to the Word thinking He's going to skip over that and I'll show you why. Right? You do what He told you to do first. When you come to the Lord abiding in Christ, do you come with humility? Remember, God blesses the humble, but He rejects the pride, the prideful. Come with humility. So in abiding in Christ, coming to the Lord, it all starts with faith in Christ. I come and I sit before the Lord and I say, all right, Lord, Search my heart. Is there anything in me that I'm not seeing that you want to deal with before I even jump into the word? Is there anything you've told me to do that I'm not walking in? I submit myself to you. You are my authority. I love you. I trust you. I need you. Speak to me. All right, so it all starts with Christ. So that's important. Again, because again, it's not about just you reading the Bible. It's about you abiding in Christ and his words abiding with you. That's relational. So don't just jump in and read begin with a relationship second is this 
just spend time in the Word and prayer. Right? Very simple. Let's don't overcomplicate this thing. Right? Abide in me. And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Spend time in the word and prayer. Again, don't come to God's word simply to read, study, and learn something. We do all that. Obviously, that's a part of the abiding, but, but this is a relational thing. right? God speaks to us through his word. We speak to him in prayer. And it's extremely important. I, I'll tell you the mistake I used to make as a young uh, uh, Christian. I used to say things like, well, I'm really strong in Bible study, but I'm kind of weak in prayer. Right, so, so reading, studying, that's a strong suit for me. And like I can do that, but the prayer part, that's, that's something I'm kind of weak at. And, and what I did was I set up a false dichotomy that made it very difficult for me to really grow and bear out much spiritual fruit because it just became for me about reading and learning content rather than his word abiding in me and it being relational. Does that make sense? You see the difference there? Don't try to separate the two. They come together. Uh, there's an interesting scripture, John 5, 39 and 40. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he is pushing on this very idea. So listen to John 5, 39 and 40. He's talking talk to these Pharisees, and he says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of, and I kind of give you a little definition, point to me, Jesus. Verse 40, but you are not willing to come to me, that's an engage in a relationship, that you may have life, experience God's presence. Jesus is correcting these Pharisees for thinking that they could experience God's life and presence simply by knowing the Bible. I know a lot of people who know the Bible but don't actually know God. What he's telling them here is, you study the Bible, but you're not willing to actually go to Jesus in an ongoing relational conversation and let his word abide in you, take root, and do anything significant. It just stops at the head and never goes any farther. So you've got to spend time in word and prayer conversing with the Lord. It's not enough to simply study the Bible. You want to come at it studying but then let it, let it speak to our hearts. You know, as we, as we do this, we'll, we'll, we'll do a couple of things. So as we, as we come at the Word, not just simply reading it, but seeking for, to have it abide in us and really, and really take root in us, what we're doing is we're, we're allowing God's Word to create new and godly desires in us, to, be, to those to be formed in us. And these new desires are going to make us more sensitive to the Spirit's leading and more empowered in our praying. The Scriptures living in our hearts are going to impact our mind and emotions. So our prayer life is going to be uh, more in unity with God's heart and, the, and His will for our life. Prayer in this way is going to become enjoyable now and more effective because we're actually praying the Scriptures and allowing the Scriptures to fuel our prayers. So what does this look like? Let me give you a, a quick example. So I give you three things. Light bulb, question mark, and arrow. So I use this sometimes. And it's a good way just to kind of get started. Light bulb, question mark, and arrow. So as you read a scripture, and I encourage you to have a plan, all right? Don't do this. All right, Lord, show me. Right? Don't do that. 
all right? Have kind of a plan, right? Whether it's you start in a book of the Bible, you read that through, and then you ask the Lord what the next one's going to be, or there are great Bible reading plans. We're beginning, we're, we're early enough in the year, you can go online, grab a Bible reading plan, and just jump in with that and start working through. But I encourage you to have kind of a thought process, a plan for this thing. So you have a scripture that you're working through, and then you kind of go to it with these ideas, light bulb, question mark, and arrow, light bulb. As you're reading through the text, what pops out? What stands out? What light bulb, boo, moment where you read it and go, oh my goodness, that sounds significant. Right? Light bulb moment. Question mark. As you read through it, what questions come to your mind from the text? Right? How do, what does that mean? How do you do that? I don't get that. What's going on there? Be thinking through that. And then arrow. As you're reading the text, are there any directives that you're being given? Promises to believe, commands to obey, start doing this, stop doing that, believe this, walk in this, don't believe that, believe this. Are there any directions that God is leading you toward? And then as you're doing that, again, not only just reading these things, but then turning them back to the Lord in prayer. So let's, let's jump back in. To, to John 15, 7 and 8. Let's use this as kind of an example, all right? Let's do this together to kind of get an idea of what this could potentially look like. So, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, so that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. So as you're reading through this, as I would read through this, sitting at my kitchen table early in the morning with a cup of coffee, I would say, all right, Lord, what's popping out to me? So as I read through this, the first thing that pops out to me is God is showing me how to bear fruit. Like, I don't have to walk around going, how do I do this and how do I grow and what does that mean? Like, he legitimately just said, here's how you do it. So the big light bulb moment for me is, God, you're showing me how to bear fruit in my life. So now I turn that back into a prayer. Praising God. God, thank you. Thank you that you're showing me how to bear fruit. Thank you that you're not leaving me to my own devices. Thank you that you're not just throwing me out and telling me to figure this out on my own. Like you're showing me how to bear fruit. Thank you, Lord. Empower me as I do this. I want to do it the way you're telling me to do it. Empower me with this. Next thing as I read this, any questions that come to my mind? So it says, if you abide in me. Question that pops in my mind would be, well, what does that mean? That sounds significant. Circle the word abide. What does that look like? How do I do that? So I, I, I would kind of use the study. I'd start pulling out some websites and go into some things. And what does that word mean? I'd try to figure that out. But, but not just to study, but then to pray. And I would ask the Lord, God, you show me. Show me, Lord, in your word. Show me, Lord, what it means to abide. Show me how to do this. I want, you're telling me to do this. I want to do this. Holy Spirit, I believe you're the great teacher. You're going to show me how. Teach me. Show me. I want to know this. How do I abide in you, Jesus? And then arrows. What directions are you given? Well, you're being told to abide in the Lord and have his word abide in you. Right? And so now I'm just going to ask the Lord to empower me to commit to that. Lord, empower me. Empower me, Holy Spirit. I can't do this on my own. I can't do it in my own strength. You empower me, Holy Spirit, to abide in you, Jesus, and have your word abide in me. I want to bear fruit. I want to glorify you. I want to be a follower of you, Jesus, and be a, a, a strong disciple. Empower me, Lord. You see, as you're walking through the scriptures, you're seeing things, you turn it back to the Lord in prayer. It's this conversation back and forth. 
And then as a result, what happens? Verse 8, we experience the change of life for God's glory, right? By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. When you're, when you're, Jesus' words are abiding in you. It's sort of like he plants seeds inside of your hearts, like it's soil. It, and as he plants it down in, then it grows and it bears fruit for his glory. This is what he's desiring to do in you. He's desiring to bear much fruit for his glory, for your good, for your blessing. 2021 can hold remarkable amounts of fruit for you. But it will be linked almost entirely, almost entirely to how you allow God's word to abide in you and fuel and empower your prayer. Brothers and sisters, this is God's calling on us. We can do this. And I'm so excited to see it happen in you. I cannot tell you how overjoyed I am to think about the fruit that's going to bear out in you this year because you, by God's grace, are allowing his word to abide in you, bear out much fruit as you allow that word to fuel and empower your prayers. To shoot you off like a rocket. Our, our band is going to come up and we're going to sing a song. And, and listen to the lyrics of this song that we're going to sing. says, when the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know that you are God. The only way that that kind of life-changing truth is going to affect your heart and really be real in you is if you are abiding in Christ, His Word is abiding in you, and you are fueled and empowered in your prayers. And as you're doing that, lyrics like that are going to be your life. It doesn't matter what the storm is. It doesn't matter what's happening. I trust you. I'm held by you. I'm protected by you. Thank you. God's desire is for this to be your existence, your life, your, your, your reality. This will happen you allow his word to abide in you and make you new. I'm going to ask that you stand for me. And I want to spend just a second praying over us, okay? Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, God, for good conviction. Lord, this is Truths like this are so convicting to my heart as I just desire to abide in you and have your word abide in me and my prayers be empowered by the scriptures more and more and more and more and more. I never, by your grace, we're never satisfied. We never cap out. We never reach the pinnacle. We're always desiring more of your word and more communion with you and, and more power in our prayers. So Lord, I thank you for good conviction that comes with this. I pray, God, for those that have experienced your conviction. I pray, God, that you would 
Show them, God, your grace, Jesus, your desire for them, your life in them, your hope. Lord, I pray, God, as we sing this song, that God, a desire, a love, a hunger for you, and as a result, your word and communion with you rises more and more and more in us as your people. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.
Amen. He is our hope. It's found only in Christ and in Christ alone. Amen. As we leave, I want to leave you out. I want to pray over you and send you out with blessing and excitement for the great work that God is doing in you, in you by faith in Jesus. Hey, if you're a guest, uh, my wife and I are going to be down front. We'd love for you to come down and say hi so we can put a name with the face. Also, as you leave, we encourage you to give uh, worship in giving. We have some buckets on the side that you can give or you can give online, southviewbc.com. And I want to read a scripture to you just real quick before I close this out. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, the Apostle Paul says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, but under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We just came off Christmas, and I don't know about you, but I love giving my gifts to kids, my kids, and, and, and seeing them light up with excitement. And that's the way he's telling us to give. Give cheerfully for what's going to happen as a result. Give because of the smile that's going to come on someone's face when they are able to use one of the food boxes that we give them. We're able to see someone get set free from an addiction. We're able to minister to someone in the homeless ministry downtown. Give because God is using that for His glory to put a lot of smiles and a lot of faces for all of eternity. So Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in your people. We thank you, God, for your word. We pray, God, that, that a hunger and a love and a desire for your word is going to grow in us just more and more and more and more and more. Pray, God, your blessings on all, all our gifts and our offerings. We ask you, God, that would use that for your glory. Thank you, God, for the fruit you're bearing out in your people. May we see more and more of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great day.